don't think that you have the next big idea in the world because I always thought, oh, I'm going to build this, this insane eight-figure company. And I was like 18, not knowing anything about anything. So take yourself out of the pedestal and think, okay, what do I do that actually works in the market? Make sure that I research it properly that actually does work already for somebody. Hi guys, good to be back. This is another week with Ecom Hunt. And this week we are very pleased to have Rafael Tintron. Am I saying the last name right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, good. He's a very popular YouTuber, uh, influencer in the dropshipping niche. If you haven't checked out his channel, make sure you check it out. We'll put a link below, so make sure you check that. And well, we want to introduce him a little bit more to our audience at uh, Ecom Hunt. So maybe just say a couple of things about your background, how you got into it at the beginning, just let people know who you are. Awesome. So I started about four or five years ago. I actually got into dropshipping Shopify. I was just looking for a way to make money. And then I started learning about Facebook ads a little bit, what they were, how to build one. And then a company that was a dropshipping company, they needed somebody that spoke English and Spanish and they couldn't fill that role. So they found me. I was a beginner. I didn't really know much, but they thought, okay, he speaks two languages. We'll just teach him. And this company basically taught me everything about Facebook, about dropshipping. They're making like $3 million a month selling shapewear. It's called Shaper Mint. And then I learned everything from there. Then I went and did it by myself. I didn't want to keep working for somebody. I did that for a couple of years, started traveling the world with the Shopify money that I was making. And then I decided to start also helping people how to do Shopify because I saw people really need help out there. And yeah, that's how I ended up here. It wasn't intentional, but a lot of people needed help. I started doing it on YouTube and now we've grown to more than 43,000 at this point. So Yeah, I think you're pretty fast growing your channel as well. I've checked it up. It's like getting bigger. So that's interesting. So us, you worked for a company that was already established, quite big, that was doing this. And then that's how you learned it. And then... You just took what you learned and then added your own things to it and advanced it. I see. Interesting. Exactly. So now let's start with the question Mordechai, the founder of Ecom Hunt, always likes to ask, which is, if you had to do it again, what would you do differently? Is there any things that stick out? Like, Oh, a lot of things. I pause things too quickly a lot of times. And I think that stops a lot of beginners. For example, when an ad didn't go right or I would give up on products too quickly. I would just give up too quickly on things that uh, would have worked if I stuck to it in the long term. Also, I think I would have been more diligent or more detailed in my research. I think a lot of people, one, they stop too quickly, but also they go and they start too quickly. So what I think is, if you're a beginner, accept that. Don't think that you have the next big idea in the world because I always thought, uh, oh, I'm going to build this, this insane eight-figure company and I was like 18, not knowing anything about anything. So take yourself out of the pedestal and think, okay, what do I do that actually works in the market? Make sure that I research it properly that actually does work already for somebody. I make it work and also not quit too quickly. So those two things are huge. They would have saved me a lot of trouble and a lot of projects that I should not have started in the beginning. Now, that's very interesting. Those two points there. One is that you shouldn't have jumped on products so fast. Like you jumped on, for example, you run it before checking any background research, who's running ads on it. So that's interesting. 
And the other thing you said there was that, remind me. Yeah, that that. you give up too quickly. So a lot of people, they Ah, go in. That that like totally clicked with me. I also had the same experience because a lot of times you're cutting off the ads because you feel like you're losing money. But sometimes you leave them and then they turn into winners later, like if you had just left it. So that's interesting. What do you say about this? There's kind of like a thing going on in the niche right now with the, there's like this debate about what you do. You do one product store, you do niche store, you do general store, right? General store is kind of like passe. Everyone's like kind of downplaying it. Although there's some people still saying it's worthwhile to test products with it. What's your take on which way to go? I think a niche store is the most profitable way to go, specifically for a beginner, which is obviously a lot of people are in, into Ecom Hunt. They're going to watch this. Most of them are going to be in beginner or intermediate. I think many people go into the one product store, again, thinking I'm going to have the most huge company ever and this product is going to be my seven-figure thing. And it's like the first product they ever test. So except that you're a beginner, your first product is probably not going to work. So if you do a one product store and you're married to it, you're going to have to do so much work to then go and test another one. So yes, one product stores work, but they're sort of the end game of it. So a general store is like it sounds too general. I think people go and they start a store and they put like beauty products, pet products, gadgets, home products. And then they're, it, it looks horrible. You're trying to be Walmart. It's not going to work. Oh, Gadget Cab is doing a million dollars. Yeah, but they're funded. They have like 50 million that they did in the past five years or something. So realize that you can't sell everything. You need to figure out your target audience, what products you're going to sell, but also don't go too deep into one product store. I think the best way to do it, we have one student now, our best student ever. She just crossed $420,000 in September. So she did almost half a million dollars in a month. And she runs a niche store, but then she goes and creates one product pages for the products that are selling the best. So what you can do is like, for example, have a niche store and then create extremely professional, let's say landing pages or a one product page for the products that are doing really well for you and then grow them from there. But I think niche end game would be one product store, like when you really want to scale up. That's interesting. I tend to agree also. And then the other thing is that you have, when you're doing the niche, it's kind of like a one product because when, when people see your ads, they're coming to your product page. It's that landing page. I mean, you can make that landing page however fancy you want, right? You can upgrade. And then a lot of people who have the one product store, they also have other products because they're upselling and this and bundles. So it ends up there also have like more than one product anyways. So what do you say about this whole shipping thing? This kind of like thrown wrenches, a lot of beginners are like, lost with what to do because the shipping became long and then there's like these services you should use cj job shipping or should you try to test with the aliexpress and then move to warehouse or agent what's your take on what to do now in this situation so definitely don't use aliexpress i think that is clear for everybody i sometimes say like don't use aliexpress and people are like what what should i use i'm like oh my god you're like three years back so Don't use AliExpress, first of all. There's many companies that offer fulfillment. Many, many that I couldn't count. Now, I have my preferred ones, the ones that I really like. I don't want to cause anybody to fight against each other, so I'm not going to say which ones, but there's many. There's CJ, there's Udropy, there's Sourcembox, Hyperskew, Fulfillman. There's many, many, many. What I highly recommend you do is you go through every one of them and you check 
first of all, it depends on the product that you're selling. So some of them, for example, there's one called eProlo. Sometimes their products are way cheaper than AliExpress, way faster than AliExpress. And sometimes they're like double the price, super long to ship. So all these companies, it really depends on your product. So first of all, check the product there. Make sure that you can actually get it for the right time frame. And also ask for sample tracking numbers. So what I don't see many people doing is they go to a supplier. Oh, can you ship this? Yeah, of course, we'll ship it in like 10 days. Great, let's do it. Instead of, you should say, oh, show me proof that you can actually ship it. Like if I tell you I can make you 100K a month and you're like, oh, great. Yeah, where's the proof of that? Have you actually helped other people do that? So it's the same with a tracking number. If you check, let's say five or 10 sample tracking numbers that they give you and they all match up 10 days, 12 days, all tracked step-by-step, then that's what I recommend. You can get seven, eight-day shipping depending on the country. If you're shipping to countries like very small countries or countries like Poland, you might not get really good shipping times, but US, Canada, you can get seven day with many of these companies. Oh, that's interesting that you don't even AliExpress at all. Because some people who don't want AliExpress, they're still like, you know, still addicted. So they're still like using it to test maybe and then they switch off of it. But you're saying don't even waste your time with that because it's just too predictable. So let's say you're a beginner. You, this is your first business ever. You work in a nine-to-five job and this is the first time you're selling anything online. Sure, you can use AliExpress for your first 10, 20 orders. But many people, like you said, they get addicted. They kind of get used to how easy it is to order something from AliExpress. Or, oh, I don't want to talk to an agent. Why would I spend like an hour interviewing agents and trying to find the best deals and negotiating? Oh, just go to AliExpress. And then they go and they scale and they're making like 100 orders a day. And now the AliExpress supplier like disappears. And then their whole business just crumbles. So I think the word that you said, addiction, that's key. Because a lot of people get used to how easy it is. Because you're not yeah. dealing with a person. You're more dealing with just a marketplace. Yeah, and I think it's, it's dangerous. Yeah, And I think there's just so... People don't realize that all these like, unreliable sellers, people not telling you the truth, all this stuff. It's like... Doggy dog world. <laughs> you can't just trust what people are saying there. So that's interesting that you just say, don't use it at all. Okay, let's move to the next thing. The next thing I want to talk about is, because you mentioned it before, but you can build up the product page. What would you say? Like some places like um, services like a Zipify app, there's some other ones out there with the gem pages to improve the product page, improve, make it kind of like more fancy. Do you think that these actually like increase conversion rates or it has to be tested or, I mean, it's worth doing this kind of things? So what we tell our students, like the people that we work with privately is always test a regular Shopify product page. Just run like everybody else, just a product page. Depending on the product that you have, the structure needs to be different. So if you are selling a pet product, it can be a little bit more playful, colorful, kind of funny. If you're selling a beauty product, don't expect the same to work. So it really depends on the product, how clean the page needs to look like, what you actually need to show. If you install the product in your house, you need to show how to do that. So different components apply to different products. Now, I'd recommend testing a regular Shopify product page. If you get your conversion rate below 2% and you want to increase that, you can definitely go to a gem page or a page fly. There's many custom page builders out there. I'd recommend testing, definitely. I wouldn't go with them at first. You can. But the problem is many people, they pay $20 a month for a page builder 
And then they get like a little bit bad conversion rate and they think, oh, this is horrible. This sucks. It's like, no, you need to test it. Like it's business, it's marketing. So that's product page first. And then if you need to upgrade a little bit, then you can go onto the the landing page. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, this is an interesting question. I've seen some people, I've asked a few times, how do you define a winning product? Some people say, oh, if it's getting consistent sales for three to five sales for a week, or it's getting 30, 50 sales a week. How do you define what's winning? You know, because some people, they're starting, you know, they're getting some sales. How do you know it's a winner? Because some people could stop, like you said, you could stop too soon, right? You could say, ah, it's only got a few sales, I'll stop. But it's actually a winner, but they don't know. So... Yeah, this has been debated a lot. I've been asked this question, you know, 2018, 2019, 2020. And I always have a different answer for it because when I got successful with e-commerce, it was with one strategy. I just did it how I wanted to do it. Now, when teaching a lot of people, helping a lot of people and seeing, you know, this person succeed and they're doing just something completely random or this person succeed and they're working with this other strategy. So I think that a winning product is just a product that has a mass market appeal. You can scale it up to many people solves a massive problem in people's lives. Like when people see this, they think, wow, this is going to save me a lot of time, money, stress, whatever. And has some consistency in sales, but it doesn't have to be huge. So as long as I see three, four, five orders per day on this product on AliExpress, and now touching to the point that people are not using AliExpress that much, then the order volume isn't that relevant anymore. So I would say, is it selling like three to four or more on AliExpress per day? consistently. It's better to have consistency than just a random day. If the product is on Amazon already, that would be good. If the product solves a massive problem for people that actually they can pay money to solve this. And if it's scalable to many people, then that's what I would say it's a winner. But you can also turn it into a winner. Products that I thought would never sell. One student just comes and say, oh, I make 1K a day with this, I don't know, like bathroom lights. I'm like, yeah, what? So you can make products winners. Like I said, if you have a niche store, you focus on your audience, you really get good at advertising. But yeah. that's what I would say, yeah. What do you say about the different ways to advertise? People are starting to, I don't know, YouTube is kind of underutilized. Google underutilized. Some people talking about it. And then there's other ones, right? There's, I guess, some Twitter, there's Pinterest and all these. What do you say about all this? I mean, or is Facebook still like the bread and butter that you got to have like first? Well, Facebook is my highest ROI. I would say if I look at my analytics, Facebook always makes me more money. It's the most annoying. My ad account gets banned all the time. My business account gets banned all the time. Oh, so wow. definitely, the, I don't like using Facebook. But I use it because the ROI or the return on ad spend is so high compared to Google and compared to Instagram that I just keep using it. The second one that I use is Google a lot and YouTube. YouTube, not that much. It's more for... Honestly, YouTube works really well if you're selling a very expensive product, $200, $300 or more. That's when YouTube ads can really crush it because the cost, the cost per click will be a lot higher. But then you can compensate for that. So I would say if you're a beginner, definitely Facebook. It's the highest scalability. Very annoying to use the platform. But if you are okay with that, if you're okay with like appealing your account and going through all of this, which most people are, definitely Facebook. And then the second one is Google very underutilized. And a lot of our students get great results with Google. I think many people don't talk about it because they think, oh, Google is for like big brands like Walmart. And no, people spending $100 a day making 500 a day on Google. So what do you say about the high ticket products? You stay in a certain range or you say you can go for the bigger ones? Always I recommend to start with 
in your price range over $29.99, so over 30, 20 tends to be very hard to be profitable. So over $29.99 up to around 70, 80, that's the range that I like to be in. Now, if you do want to go over that, I recommend you already have skill built up to go over that range. So if you've sold a lot of $40, $50 product, then you can go and sell a $100 product, $300, $500. The sky's the limit on how expensive you can sell a product, but that's the range that I recommend to stay in. The more skill you have, the more expensive you can sell it for. Now, this is a question I'm interested to get your take. The testing, would you stay with the old way of testing or would you do CBO testing? Or would you test both? Some people say test both. I like the scalability of CBO, campaign budget optimization. It's very easy to scale if you have a product that sells and if you have audiences that sell. Because what I do is I just put really high budget campaigns on manual bid. And I only talk about this with a few people. Like I tell them, I'll go and do a manual bid and they just absolutely crush it. But it works for very specific. And I can't make a course about you know how to scale up a campaign like 500,000 a day. So it can definitely work really well. For testing, I recommend just ad set budgets. Because CBO, even though testing with it works, and I tell a lot of people to test with CBO, I think ABO is more, it's easier to use, easier to configure for a beginner that doesn't know anything about Facebook ads. They can just click duplicate, publish, and then put out like $5 a day. So ABO to test. You can also use CBO if you're a little bit more advanced and then just CBO to scale. Okay, that's interesting. Let's get the last question here. What countries you say these days, I mean, with the COVID, all this to target, are there certain countries you're staying away from? or Because now it's no longer e-packet, basically. It's US only or maybe Europe. Or what, what do you say about that? Well, be careful with Canada. They've had a lot of delays and issues. Australia is fine. US yeah. is fine. UK is fine. Depending on what European country you send it to, there can be custom fees. There can be some delays. but all of Western Europe is pretty much fine. Don't send, even though you're, you're probably not going to get any sales there, but don't send anything to like Eastern Europe. Northern Europe is also fine. Scandinavia, all that. South Africa tends to be pretty good and profitable. just hard to ship there. I had a student that scaled up a product in Israel, funny enough, but now it's tough to ship there. So yeah, that's what I would say. I mean, I just tell people just stick to US, UK, Australia, and Canada. Yeah. Canada, check with your product first because there's some delays. Yeah. But after that, what I do is I put my ads to worldwide and then I just exclude uh, like a list of 50 countries that usually never buy. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have the last, last question now on e-com hunt. How would you recommend people using e-com hunt? Some people say, go to the old products and search for the winners. Some other people say, no, no, the new ones, check the test the new ones. How have you uh, used it before? The thing is, just like every spy tool, I think e-com hunt, also try to guess at what's going to sell. So when I look at Ecom Hunt, I see one product that's already selling really well and has potential. And then I see one that I think, mm, maybe this is not going to sell, but later it might. So like it's it, early. yeah, it's too early. So what I would say yeah. is if you see a product, it doesn't have any sales yet because sometimes a product will pop up and it'll have like 10 sales on Ecom Hunt. And I think, eh. and then I'll check like two weeks later and it has like a thousand. So uh, it just means somebody took it very early and scaled it uh, or sold it. So what I would do is I would bookmark the product, check it like every couple of days, yeah. see how the sales volume goes up. And if I see it ticking up, then that's the time to go for it. But if you're a beginner, I would stick to products that are already selling just to make sure that you know, you're not selling something that's actually not going to sell. And Income Hunt gives you 
it's why I like it and why I love talking to Mordecai, the owner, is because it's done for you, for people that are a little bit lazy, they don't want to go and do their ad copy. Here, here's here's some ad copy. All right, well, it was great having you. Make sure, viewers, you check out Rafael's channel, uh, the link below, and hopefully I'll have you back.